0: Washington Post, the New York Times, uh, just across nearly every uh, Chiron this morning. Somewhere, the headline is announcing that the remaining 12 missionaries who were kidnapped in October and held for ransom in Haiti have not only returned, but all of those outlets are now telling the story of their escape, not their release. Their Escape so here's um you know in short, what we know they were being held in a facility where uh, the door was blocked closed, and blocked, but apparently not locked, and they knew that um, they also had um, some sense of the direction that they would go if they ever um, sensed that the time was right for them to sneak out. And so, uh, the group of 12, including a 10 month old infant who, I don't know, you know, when the last time is that you've, you know, seen, been around or played with a 10 month old infant, but convincing them to be quiet for a long period of time. ah, uh, yeah, that's, that's going to be a challenge. All right. So the group of 12, including a 10 month old infant and three other children walked 10 miles until they found someone Um, who could help them by making a phone call. They uh, prepared uh, for days prior, um, sensing that the time was arriving when they should uh, seek to escape. Um, And uh, they put their shoes on. They packed water in their clothes. uh, They stacked their mattresses in the corner of the room where they were being held. um, And they opened the door that had been closed and blocked, and they filed silently to a path that they had chosen to follow. Um, Despite the fact that numerous guards were very close by, spokespeople uh, for the group are saying, the New York Times adds this, the organization has disclosed that an unspecified ransom had been paid, but the missionaries had not been released. And so um, there's a lot going on here. I'm sure that there will be more to come. Um, Suffice it to say that uh, Christian Aid is saying, first, they're leading with this. They're leading with this. We thank God Almighty. <laughs> we thank God Almighty. Um, indeed, my friends, there is good news of great joy that shall be for all people. That's what motivates people to go to other places, even places that are not only hostile to the gospel, but literally hostile, to share the good news of the coming of Jesus the Christ. The good news of great joy. The angel Gabriel said, shall be for all people, all people in all places at all times, even places that are dangerous to go. Those people you ask? Yes, all people. And who will tell them? Well, Jesus says to his followers in Acts 1-8, you will be my witnesses. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Who will go? Who will tell them? You. You will be my witnesses. We recognize the uh, great commission echoed there from Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. Jesus tells us to go and to make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything that he has commanded. But the reminder that he is with us always to the very end of the age, the end of the age, when will that be? Well, in Matthew 24, the end of the age will come, Jesus says, when the gospel of the kingdom has been preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. So once there's been a witness to all, then the end will come. We go because Christ commands us go. And we go to extend the good news of great joy that is for all people. And so I encourage you today to consider how you are called to bear witness to Jesus the Christ, to share the gospel of the kingdom in the whole world as a testimony of who he is and what he has done and the good gift of God's grace offered in the person of Christ. Indeed, let us go. Tell it on the mountain. Jesus Christ is come. Dr. Brett Nix is going to join us next from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. Um, Maybe we're going to talk about, I don't know, let's do this. How do you expect Omicron to affect your holiday plans? That's a good question for all of us to be asking. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Dr. Brett Nix from the Christian Medical and Dental Association you can check out CMDA at cmda.org great place to connect for those of you who are medical professionals and a great gift to give a membership to CMDA to a medical professional in your life that's my uh, I think that's a would be a good thing to do all right um, Brett let's talk about um, the Omicron variant of COVID And I guess I'm just going to say, start wherever you think we should start the conversation.
2: Well, we can can start this conversation just as we would expect it based on our conversations really about a month ago. So first of all, Merry Christmas. Thanks for uh, having me this morning. And, uh, you know, it's amazing. It's uh, not the gift that we were hoping for for Christmas. Um, But as you know, uh, the week ending December 18th, Omicron accounted for about 70% or greater of the cases in the U.S. And so, yes, it is our dominant variant now. And what we know about it is, of course, it started in South Africa and was watched very closely there. Uh, And that started back in November, where it was identified as this variant of concern. Uh, Since that time, it has been reported in nearly every state. And it accounts uh, for 90 percent of the new cases in some areas, specifically in the southeast, Pacific Northwest, New York, some of the higher density areas that you're seeing. What's interesting about it, though, and again, something that we continue to watch closely is from what we are seeing Uh, It does not appear to be as deadly as the previous variants. Now, recognize what do we know about COVID? The COVID deaths come weeks and weeks downstream of the infection for those that are at risk. And so right now we have uh, reported only one death in the U.S. So that's a really, really low rate, uh, which is incredibly good, uh, considering probably 100,000 people might have um, Omicron at this point in time. And if we have one death, that's 0.0001% likelihood of death. So that's outstanding. So let's hope that continues. What we do know, though, based on the data out of South Africa, is that for this version, it has a tendency to have high viral content in the nose and in the mouth, the nasal areas. So sneezing, coughing, those types of features uh, increase the risk of uh, it being transmitted within communities, within families, within space. And so there's a concern that, hey, it might spread really, really fast. We're just hoping at this point, that it is not as virulent, it will not cause the level of death. And again, for those that are having it, a lot of it looks, unfortunately, guess what? Just like the flu.
0: So we have a listener um, asking um, milder strain. Does that mean this could be the beginning of the end of COVID? I understand that's how the Spanish flu ended 100 years ago.
2: That's a very good insight and a very good perspective. What we do know is that as viruses continue to mutate, Uh, they have a tendency to go one or the other direction. And this one appears that, at least in this circumstance, that it's decreasing its virulence, and that's a good sign. Um, The one question is, is the beginning of the end, or is it going to be the beginning of really the large pandemic piece? I think that we're seeing right now, just like we had with uh, the swine flu, the H1N1. It's still around. It's still part of the mix of what we see from the flu every year, uh, but it just does not have the same capture as it did before. We are hopeful that we're seeing the same with the coronavirus. The question will be is, What does the next variant after Omicron look like? And if it's a diminishing issue as far as the uh, level of severity, the level of associated morbidity and mortality, then that's a very positive sign.
0: All right, you have made two references now to the flu um, and to uh, the flu mix. So um, I have another listener asking something about a change to the flu mix. Is there something actually in the flu mix that's not there anymore because of COVID? Okay, let me just confess, Brett, I don't know about that.
2: Yeah, so here's what happens every year. Uh, the CDC and other organizations look at what the influenza outbreak is in the southern hemisphere during their winter before ours, and then look at other predictable models as to what will be coming in our wintertime. And, of course, last year was a little bit odd. And as uh, we look at the you know 2020 COVID window, it makes it very difficult to predict. And so when they talk about the flu mix, what that is is really the the, the vaccine Predictable as far as what we're going to see this year and right now it's still very early as to what we will know Specifically as to what type of flu becomes dominant and just like last year We did not have much influenza at all uh, Because of all of the precautions that people were taking, you know bottom line as it relates to it for those who have um, High issues as far as their risks underlying health issues if they have ailing health or otherwise for those that are immunized It's an outstanding place to start. Uh, we don't know yet to, to what degree We're going to see influenza A, influenza B, is it going to be H1N1, and what other mix? And so to say how good the mix is from the vaccine this year is premature, uh, especially because we're seeing flu cases. We've been seeing flu cases off and on since late October, uh, just not a high density enough to be able to claim uh, the success of it. But the bottom line is, what do we know? These are all things that we can prevent. Number one, it's the ability to be mindful of washing our hands, avoiding touching our faces, uh, making sure that... Uh, we're getting adequate sleep, that we're getting adequate exercise and, and nutrition, and that if you are at risk uh, because of your underlying health conditions, that you just be mindful when you're in groups, especially uh, for those that you may not be able to predict, do they have something as simple as a common cold that could very well actually be influenza?
0: All right, um, Brett, let's talk a little bit about um, what the president uh, has is now launching, which are not only COVID test sites, um, additional COVID test sites, but also announcing free COVID tests. I assume that maybe that is at-home tests. Can you talk with us a little bit about at-home tests? What are those like? Would I still have to like jab a thing up my nose? Like I don't feel comfortable doing that. Can you talk? Can you talk to me about that?
2: There's a lot of different types of testing that are out there, and the, the simple home tests. Uh, you can go up to your neighborhood pharmacy, Walgreens, etc. Um, and you can actually purchase them so this fall we actually purchased them in my family just to test because my kids were going off to a a young life camp and they had required testing but we also had other you know things hey we might have had an exposure the home test that you have again yes it is a swab it goes in back tickles the back of your nose um, and then you actually can do the test there recognize there's so many different levels of tests the typical home tests are called antigen tests and if it's positive, the probability of it being positive is really quite good. Uh, can there be false positives? Yes, but they're less common. Uh, a false negative can be more common. So if you have a positive test, it's helpful. If it's negative, it's good, but recognize it's not quite as good as what we call a PCR test, which is a higher quality test, uh, also comes at a higher cost. That's what's typically done within the healthcare setting itself. Now, you know, bringing up the testing piece, the one thing that's I think of great value, let's say you are gonna go visit And you want to say, hey, I want to be safe over Christmas. I want to enjoy time with my family. I want to celebrate why Christmas is here, celebrate Jesus with my family. And in doing so, you're going to go visit your grandmother or your parents that may be aging and have some health condition issues. A smart thing to do would be pick up one of the antigen tests and to test yourself the day before you go uh, to visit them or the day that you're visiting, um, especially if you're going to stay for a few days. And the nice thing about that is it gives you some level of assurance. The tests, like I said, aren't perfect, but they're actually really quite good. Um, And then that way, at least you have a peace of mind. Uh, You know, I'll give an example. Over Thanksgiving, we went and visited my wife's family uh, up in Virginia. And the day we got there, uh, her brother uh, wasn't feeling great, so he kind of just kept his distance. The next day, he didn't feel good at all, so he went and got tested and he was positive for COVID. So we subsequently celebrated Thanksgiving and had to head on out, but none of us succumbed to the illness. We just recognized spacing, and that was still within the same house. So a lot of things, you know, are really a common-sense approach but recognizing, hey, if you don't feel great, just let it be known, um, you know, and he didn't have a mask on, you know, but he did kind of isolate himself, you know, over towards the TV, and that being said, we kind of kept our distance until we knew, but at the same point in time, it's that type of approach, just like you would with a cold, just like you would with the flu, Omicron is going to be one of those things, and guess what, you might not be able to tell the symptom difference.
0: Yeah, maybe don't, maybe don't hold hands around the table, Um maybe you know, maybe socially distance a little bit. Um, I don't hear you saying avoid all human contact and, uh, you know, and, and change all your plans. I hear you saying be responsible, be respectful, um, recognize, you know, your own um, your own health and what's going on. Pay attention to your sleep and your exercise. And I don't know, I'll add to that, drink a lot of water, right? I don't know. That always seems like the third thing we're always supposed to say.
2: Yeah, hydrating is an important thing. And I'll be honest with you, it's it's one of these things where we don't do it well enough. And if if your hydration, like mine in the morning, is coffee, you need to make sure you balance that out with something that follows afterwards. But to your point, we are called to be in relationship with people. We are called to come together with one another. Uh, The worst thing we can possibly do is to isolate ourselves over Christmas, but we have to take common sense approaches to these types of things. Uh, you You know, our bodies have been created amazingly well from an immune system that if we give it The energy and the nutrition and the rest that it needs, it does amazingly well for us. And so, uh, you know, we have to celebrate that because that is an incredible gift that each one of us have been given. But so is uh, the sense that is not so common, common sense. And if we apply that along with what our bodies have been given, I think that we will all be able to celebrate an amazing Christmas.
0: All right. So we're going to have a couple of minutes here of conversation about uh, a big think item, Um, and, and that is going to be pleasure or pain avoidance versus recognizing that pain does matter and God, uh, you know, God made pain for a reason. So can you talk about, can you talk with us about our tendency to avoid pain or to mask pain um, and the need for us to, um, you know, to allow, allow ourselves to experience pain in order that, you know, our bodies can heal?
2: Yeah, that's that's an amazing question. So this is something that's been studied for Decades upon decades and if we go back and look at you know some of the tests that we, people were doing to say hey You know, what's the balance between pain and pleasure? And how does our brain work in this regard? What has been studied and what has been has come known is that the avoidance of pain Actually has a hindering process to your brain and to your body as it relates to the ability for you to actually find The points of pleasure in life and it's fascinating because studies were done where uh, Pain responses were triggered in dogs and the other studies were done in humans as well That identified the initial response to pain triggered an area of our brain and of course our fight or flight uh, symptom process you know your heart rate jumps up really really fast you have other types of things that go on and then all of a sudden after that flight uh, response is done your body kind of comes back to a normal if you have this event over and over and over as you can imagine it becomes no yes it could still be painful but it is a known pain It is a process that your body recognizes and so now you have a, a blunted response to pain the amazing thing with that is at the same point in time, that area of the brain also triggers a pleasure response. And so what we are seeing over and over is, hey, you know what? The last thing that we want to do is to recognize that you know life should not have episodes of pain. Yes, we all recognize it. It's usually in those periods where we are uncomfortable, where we're doing something that we're not used to doing, where something is causing us either physical discomfort, emotional discomfort that we learn and we grow. Well, part of that also is allowing the brain and the body to go ahead and – To move forward such that not only do we have a shorter response to pain and the overall effect is weaker but that our pleasure response gets longer and stronger it's fascinating and so what are we saying in this what are we saying is the worst thing that we can do is be helicopter parents helicopter people where we have an avoidance of difficult things in life Uh, and because what we want to do is to balance the pain response such that we can enjoy uh, life the way God intended it so we can be Uh, In a space where not only does is our pain response lightened and short and and weaker But that our our pleasure response is longer stronger and this is just a natural process that is almost like training your brain But at the same point in time this has been recognized and even quoted as far back as as Socrates Uh, You know, and he talked about this strange appearance that you cannot have pain uh, in the absence of pleasure and pleasure in the absence of pain that and so the recognition of this goes back so far uh, and it's the way our our bodies are created. The reason this is coming front and center right now is because too often with the process of social media and our cell phones, it's a constant pleasure process that triggers that dopamine response to the brain. And many times now we're not comfortable navigating the pain response. And so we are we have this pain avoidance and yet this pleasure-seeking process. And we're finding perhaps as we see in society right now, maybe we're just a little bit out of balance.
1: Mm.
0: As always, uh, it's always good to have a little checkup with you and check in. We have appreciated our conversations um, over the course of this year. Certainly praying a Merry Christmas uh, upon you and yours. Um, thank you for serving on the front lines of, of healthcare. Thank you for all that you're gonna be doing um, just in the next few hours, days, and weeks. And you know, it's related to the care of, of our neighbors. So, you know, Brett, as always, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Carmen, it's my pleasure. and. Uh for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. May us all have a very peaceful Christmas, and again, thank you for having me.
0: Amen. Thank you so much. That's Dr. Brett Nix. You can find him at the Christian Medical and Dental Association, cmda.org. We'll be right back. All right. When you um, you think about the challenges that we're facing today, I just wonder. I wonder if you are dealing with some anxiety and depression. If it doesn't, it doesn't feel very holiday-ish, and that's not because there's not snow on the ground where I live. Um, I don't know. It feels like there's rush and hurry and a lot of anxiety and um, anticipation of loss or. A holiday that's not gonna maybe live up to everything that you know it's supposed to in terms of like sugar plum fairies Um, so I wonder if you're feeling that way that's the way I'm feeling it's not that I'm distracted by the world like I love Jesus and he's at the center of Christmas there's no question about that but I still recognize that um, there's a there's a shadow over the land there's a shadow over the way I'm approaching Christmas, and so I thought it would be good to talk with Allie Marie Smith today. She's the author of Wonderfully Made. She's also the director of the ministry called Wonderfully Made, uh, and she she talks about, you know, this challenge, this issue of um, uh, what the world tells us and what the world looks like, and yet, you know, like, what we're really created for. All right, that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen.
1: This is Max Locato, the babe of Bethlehem, Emmanuel. Remember the promise of the angel? Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Emmanuel, the name appears in the same Hebrew form as it did 2,000 years ago. Immanuel means with us, El refers to Elohim or God, not in above us God or somewhere in the neighborhood God. He came as the with us God, God with us, not with the rich or with the religious, but God with us, all of us, Russians, Germans, Buddhists, Mormons, truck drivers, librarians, God with us. Prophets weren't enough, apostles wouldn't do, angels won't suffice. God sent more than miracles and messages. He sent Himself. He sent His Son.
0: All right, uh, joining us now, Allie Smith. We're going to talk about her book, Wonderfully Made. We're also going to talk about the ministry which you can connect with at wonderfully made
3: wonderfully made dot welcome to mornings with carmen good morning carmen thank you so much for having me and merry christmas to you yeah thank you so much merry christmas as well um Take
0: us back. I mean, you do this in the book, so I feel comfortable asking you because it's a sensitive it's a sensitive question. And so I want everybody to know in advance. Um, Allie shares this in the book, so I'm not just asking her this question cold on air. Um, Allie, take us back to June 2001 um, to your 18 year old self. What were you planning to do? Where were you headed and who intervened to change that plan?
3: Sure. Well, it was very unexpected. Uh, You know, growing up, I was a good girl from a good home. I was pretty feisty and confident until about the age of 12 when I started experiencing unexplained feelings of overwhelming sadness, loneliness, insecurity. And that continued throughout high school. And it really looked like on the outside, like I had the ideal life. I excelled in school and in soccer, was part of the popular crowd at school. Um, But two weeks after I graduated summa cum laude, I found myself in a deep and a dark and a very debilitating depression, unable to eat, sleep or talk. And my body was alive, but there was really no life within me. So I was admitted to the psychiatric hospital. I was put on antidepressants I was sent home three days later. And on an overcast day that June of 2001, I hopped in my blue Ford Explorer. I I snuck out, I grabbed the car keys, and I headed off with one destination in mind. And that was the Golden Gate Bridge with the intention to end my life because I was in excruciating pain. And I thought that the I thought that was the only way it could end. And I really believed the lie that the world was better off without me in it. God really intervened in a miraculous way. I was turning around a corner and was driving somewhat recklessly. My tire hit a flat, hit a curb, and I got a flat tire. I remember sitting in my car paralyzed, unsure what to do. And there was a knock on my window, and a silver-haired, kind-hearted man came to my rescue and asked if he could call for roadside assistance. And I engaged with a real conversation with that man. I hadn't talked in probably more than a month. And that interaction gave me a little hope in my heart to turn around and go home to my family. And it was been that wasn't the end of my struggles with mental health. I was hospitalized again that fall after trying to start college on the East coast. Uh, but it was there in the hospital, uh, Christians began praying for me. Um, as I began to get better, I asked for a Bible and on one day when we were escorted into the hospital chapel, as a woman saying amazing grace, I really felt the Lord calling me to himself. And right there, I surrendered my life to Christ. And I've never been the same. I have had struggles with mental health since. But today, by God's grace, I am thriving, free from symptoms of mental illness. And I want to encourage people who may be struggling with their mental health that I believe there is hope for them as well. Allie, thank you um so much for your transparency. Thank you
0: for your testimony. Um as you're sharing, I'm I'm thinking of all the people who are listening right now who um have supplied Bibles at a hospital and never known where they ended up or have stopped um, you know, to render aid to somebody on the side of the road and they don't know the end of that story. Um, people who have prayed from afar when Parents have, you know, put out the call, hey, would you pray for my kids? She's really struggling. Um, we're really struggling. And, you know, and people have gone to their knees. And God's answered. And so um, just want to thank you for your, um, your testimony and your willingness to be so vul- vulnerable in sharing it. Um, Wonderfully made, Discover the Identity, Love, and Worth You Were Created For um, is your book. In it you recount, you know, much of what you just shared here with us. But you also um I mean this book really feels like it is for young women um who are asking the kinds of questions or facing the kinds of anxiety and fear and depression um that that you've experienced in your own life. So can you talk us talk with us um about, you know, sort of the heart out of which this uh book grows and and who you intend it for?
3: Sure. Well, really, the tagline of the book really sums it up. Discover the identity, love, and worth you were created for. So it's designed, my heart was especially for a young woman, but I have many readers of all ages who have really been encouraged by it because it is so saturated with scripture. Every chapter has about five or six verses in it. Uh, there are 30 chapters. And each chapter starts with the word made, unveiling 30 unique purposes we've been made for. And it was very important to me that I started with a very solid foundation of faith for the reader who isn't sure what she even believes, if she even believes there is a God. And so the first chapter is made by God. The second is made to know God, made for relationship with God. And there are many more chapters made to bloom, made for beauty, made for friendship, made to be faithful. And it's really a guidebook to help young women and really women uh, discover the life that God has created them for, that it is so much richer and so much better than the, than the life the world offers them. And it's really an invitation to shut out the noise and to trade a distracted life for your actual life. I talk a lot about social media and, uh, showing up for the unique story God is writing in your life. So it's really been a transformative book for my readers. It, it, I write because I, doing so, I am reminded of what is true, and I discover what is true, so I can kind of be somewhat a selfish writer, but it has been on my heart to write this book for over 10 years, and because it is so rich in scripture, I truly believe that it can transform uh, a young woman's life, uh, really a woman of any age, her life as well. We're talking with Allie Smith. She's the founder
0: and director of Wonderfully Made. Um, It is a nonprofit organization that's dedicated to helping teen teen girls and young women know their true value. We're talking today um, about Allie's book, Wonderfully Made, Discover the Identity, Love, and Worth You Were Created For. I want you to um, mark down the website, wonderfullymade.org. When we come back, um, I'm going to ask Allie about the challenges that we face related to mental health and how we can um, maybe come alongside members of our own family or friends that we, uh, that we have who are really struggling to cope with anxiety and depression um, right now. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. No apart, start, Continuing our conversation with Ali Smith, we're talking about her book, Wonderfully Made. It's also the name of the ministry that she directs, wonderfullymade.org. Allie, a lot of, um, a lot of folks uh, seeking to cope with anxiety and depression. Um, you offer some uh, healthy ways to cope. Maybe, um, maybe share those with us.
3: Sure. Well, first, Carmen, I want to thank you so much for having this conversation today. Uh, On that note, Christmas time is the most frequent time people experience depression. The holidays can be very difficult uh, for individuals' mental health. And so uh, I want to encourage anyone listening today that is experiencing challenges with their mental health right now that they're they're not alone. And with depression specifically, it can be impossible to see past the immediate pain of the present. But the truth is there is so much hope. And and some days it can be so overwhelming to take it one day at a time. So I encourage people to try to take it one breath at a time. And also to Reach out for professional help and community support to stop isolating. Uh, Depression specifically thrives in isolation. And so it's so important to tell someone to reach out to a counselor, uh, a friend, to see a doctor, especially if you are having suicidal thoughts. Uh, Do not keep those to yourself. Um, Also, it's important to note that mental health conditions are not terminal conditions. They are often very treatable, and so much help and treatment options are available. And I want to say that millions and millions of people have experienced mental health challenges and have endured them and gone through the other side to really experience flourishing lives. And so I also want to speak to someone who maybe is contemplating suicide. I would tell them, you make this world a more beautiful place and this darkness is not the end of your story We need you here and your loved ones need you to stay. And lastly, I would also say that your struggle is not your identity and God can do beautiful things with the broken life. So take it breath by breath, seek out professional help, uh, seek out community support, stop isolating and, and have faith that God can bring you through this.
0: Hey Allie, I'm wondering if um, you can speak a, a word of encouragement today to parents. Um, I'm, I feel confident you've had a conversation with your mom and dad about what they experienced. Um, you know, when you were initially um, experiencing mental mental health, mental illness challenges when you were a teenager, and then, you know, for the for the years following that, I feel confident you've talked with them. You guys have had conversations. Can you give a little um, window into that to parents who are listening right now? I mean, we've got some people who are just really struggling with kids who are
3: suffering mental illness, who aren't getting treatment, um, and it's hard. Sure. Well, I feel so grateful for my parents. I mean, they were my my rock through this. They They gave me unconditional love and support. It was very challenging for them as parents, as you can imagine. Uh, and so I would say to parents, you may need to really fight for your child when they're unable to fight for themselves. And actually, in the dedication of my book, I dedicated it to my family. And I said, thank you for fighting for me when I couldn't fight for myself. And unfortunately, that's the nature of, um, severe depression is it really takes away your will to live. And it's very troubling and very difficult on parents and loved ones. Uh, I would also encourage parents to ask if they suspect their child is struggling with depression and maybe they're away at college or, uh, you know, even in the home is to ask them, are you experiencing suicidal thoughts? Do you have the desire to no longer live? Sometimes people can think by asking this question, it's going to increase suicidal thoughts in that person's mind. But research has actually found the opposite to be true, that it can open up a conversation and lead them to get the professional help that they need. I would also encourage parents and family members to encourage their loved one who is struggling to stop isolating and to really try not to leave them alone, uh, especially if they are experiencing severe depression and suicidal thoughts. They should not be left alone. Uh, Take them to counseling and doctor's appointments. Love them and serve them. Avoid trying to fix them. Understand, educate yourself on the nature of mental illness, the warning signs, the symptoms, the treatment options. Listen and learn from other people's stories. And then lastly, it's very important to get support for yourself uh, and to take care of yourself during this time. Uh, So you're you're not running from a you know an empty well but you're mm-hmm. you're filled up and you're able to pour into your loved one into your child there are tons of
0: resources you guys should connect with at wonderfullymade.org that's where you can find Allie Smith that's where you can uh connect with the book um, but you can also c- connect with community right there as well. Um, Allie, what a joy uh, to visit with you. Thank you so much. We will let you get back to the important things of the day, including your golden retriever, Gidget, who I regret I did not have time to ask about.
3: <laughs> Carmen, thank you so much for having me. Mary Absolutely. God bless Mary- to you and to all your listeners.
0: Merry Christmas, Allie. Thank you so very much. we got to take a very brief break and then we'll be right back to wrap it up. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, as a community, let's be praying today for Mary. Um, Mary listens every single day. Um, She is one of us and For nine years, she has been um, supporting and praying for her now 22-year-old daughter to um, deal with issues related to mental illness, um, addiction, self-harm, on and on and on. Uh, And so let's be lifting up Mary today and her daughter. Let's ask for God to intervene in ways that that her daughter can, can see and will respond to in positive ways. Um, I know that as we head into the new year, I need a Bible reading plan. I am wondering if you want to read through the Bible in 2022. Um, and I can tell you if you don't have a plan, you won't get it done. That's sort of the way this works. So would love for you to read through the Bible with us. We have a Bible reading plan um, at Faith Radio. And so if you go to myfaithradio.com and and join us in our Bible reading plan, you get a downloadable um, material and, you know, well, lots of reminders throughout the year, right? It's going to be the where in the word uh, answer to the question when I ask it here in the mornings. And so if you want to read through the Bible with me in 2022, you can sign up to do so. At myfaithradio.com. Thank you so much for including me in your day. Have a great one. God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at myfaithradio.com.